Hey, it's Neville Medora for the Friday Swipes email. This is February 24th, 2023's version of a swipe, which is Swipe Wisdom Interesting Picture Essay and a Sketch. So let's get started. Today's swipe is this old Atari ad, and it has this great headline. It says, don't watch TV tonight, play it. Now, this is a great headline in 1978 when playing the TV was like a totally new and novel concept. Just remember, you know, obviously for us, we have video games and we grew up with phones and screens. But back then, if someone were to be able to like control what's on the TV, that was just like, uh, like people were like, this is a paradigm shift. Everything's changing. Like that's the kind of moment it was back then. So don't watch TV tonight. Play it. Great, great headline. Love the ad. Here's an interesting piece of wisdom, or I guess this is more of an opinion, but it's things that seem weird to teach kids today. And I remember seeing this like, uh, so cursive writing and reading an analog clock. Let's start with cursive writing. So the reason cursive was invented was to reduce ink splatter from quill pens and ink pens. So, you know, when you write on a page back in the day, you literally filled a pen with ink and it would just like kind of spew out ink. If you lifted up the pen, it would kind of drip and it just wasn't as good to pick up the pen. So cursive was the way that you wrote to accommodate the pen. That's why cursive exists. So this is no longer a problem because no one except for some sort of enthusiast would actually use a pen that has this problem. So I'm not sure why kids today should learn to essentially solve this problem of learning to write English in a totally separate way. But I think that that knowledge can go to something better. So if you see, I wrote Neville was here in normal letters, and then Neville was here. What's the point of teaching a child how to write in cursive anymore? It just, to me, it doesn't really make sense. And I think it's one of those things when people are like, you're not teaching cursive to children anymore. It's just like, you're teaching the same thing twice for no reason for something they'll never use other than like maybe nostalgic reasons. So yeah, like, look, if you're a historian and want to read old documents, yes, you need cursive. Also, you know, if you're a Python programmer, you need to learn Python programming language, but most people don't. So if you need the tool, learn it. But if you don't, I don't know what the point is. And then the other thing is, Analog clocks. Now, I'd say this, there's enough circular analog clocks out there to where it's probably helpful to learn how to read time. But the reason circular clocks were invented was because the way that you kept time back in the day was you wound up a spring. And as it slowly unwound with proper kinetic energy, you can you could store, you know, kinetic energy in and uh, turn the clock in a fat in way that keeps track of time. So this is no longer a problem. Everything, your phone, your watch, your computer, anything tells time digitally now. And it's very, very accurate. Whereas if you look at like an analog clock, it's, it's, it's like zero, five, 10. It takes a little bit of brain power to understand what time it is versus just look at a digital readout, which everything has nowadays. And you can instantly see the time. So I think these things can still be fun and interesting things to teach children, of course, but they are outdated and shouldn't be required. In my opinion, it seems like that brain space could really be better applied to more modern problems. So instead of teaching a kid how to read an analog clock, you teach them how to like Google something or enter a prompt in chat GPT. These are things that are useful in their everyday life versus these other things. <clears throat> so here's something interesting. I'm holding this book in my hand right here. It's worth a thousand dollars per book. Now I bought these books for about 15 to 25 bucks each. So what the hell's going on? Well, I own four copies of this book and I'm holding $4,000 worth of books in this picture. And the reason that these books are so expensive is because I posted an Instagram reels video three months ago and it really caught steam. It has like, I don't know, 850,000 views or something along those lines. It's also been replicated on YouTube and such. So maybe it's more, 
But I said like this book is like my Bible and it's a book called This is Earl Nightingale by Earl Nightingale. And it was basically transcripts from his five minute syndicated TV show, which was one of the most widely syndicated shows in radio history up until the 90s. And uh, it, it just basically you can look at one of the chapters and each chapter is about two to three pages long and learn something. So you can just open it up and get good ideas. So I like this book a lot. And because of an Instagram reel going really popular, really viral, these books have just been sold out for months. And now people have been hawking them on eBay for like $1,000, which is crazy. At some point, the price will come down. But getting an original copy of this book, which went out of print in the 70s, um, is very, very difficult right now. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, here's a picture. So me and some friends got together a little Austin, Texas internet meetup last night. Uh, it's a bunch of dorks, usually like internet people. So people who post on Twitter a lot and such. And my friend Nick Gray kind of conducted the party and did several rounds of quick icebreaker style intros. There's about 30 people there. It was really cool. Like the you know, founder of College Humor was there. Um, there's a uh, you know, my buddy Sam Parr was there. No, Kagan was there. A lot of my friends and then just a lot of uh, other people that are really big on the internet were there. So it was really interesting chatting with people and having like something in common with everyone at the party. Um, if you see the pictures, it was very dude heavy. Uh, I will admit, I don't know what other way to say that. <laughs> it's like a lot of guys. Um, but it's funny. Uh, Nick Gray did this. He did scene changes for the party, which he's been experimenting with. And we've done this a couple times at my house. So one time we, everyone in the party went into my office and sat together. It was pretty crowded and we had like 25 people in there, but it was really fun. It felt a lot more intimate and a lot more fun to chat um, because you're just physically closer to everyone. And this time we did, there was too many people. So we went outside in the yard and uh, uh, he did uh, these little lightning talks, uh, intros and icebreakers, but the icebreaker was kind of relevant to internet stuff. So someone could say an interesting story they did from online and you go, like, oh, I can go talk to that person about that later. It was actually very helpful to have those uh, icebreakers. So check them out. NickGray.net has a great website. Um, it's also funny. My friend Sam's uh, dog, Sid, came. And he's kind of an old guy. He's like 13 plus years old. We don't really know exactly how old he is. And uh, he snuck up on the couch. And I normally don't allow him on this green couch that I have because he has white hair and it sheds all over the place. Um, but he's so old. And he managed to get up there by himself. I was like, you know what, buddy? You earned it. So I let him stay there. And he can't really move around on the couch anyway. So it was pretty cute. I included a photo of it. Uh, here is a quick little essay. So let's say you had an extra $1,000 per month to spend on your business. Where would you spend it? I was thinking about this recently and um, I had a couple different things, uh, monthly advisory calls, uh, creating new content, spending it on ads, hiring someone in a specific role, a freelancer, other. So a lot of people on Twitter suggested stuff like have a VA, have something this, like an employee, something along those lines. And I've been fortunate enough to have like a lot of those things being taken care of already. So um, I, I don't need those positions. However, what I've kind of come to is uh, advisory calls. So I was watching my friend Noah Kagan, who runs AppSumo, is, you know, quite a large company doing, you know, 80 plus million dollars a year in revenue. And he basically hires um, advisors and like different ones each time, not over and over. But he says, usually he gets like a couple of calls out of them. And, you know, you start to slow down on the stuff you can learn. So he will hire someone for between $500 and $1,000 per hour and just pick their brain about whatever he needs to learn or ask how, you know, they think he can improve. And I thought this was actually a very smart thing. And I'm going to try using something like intro.com 
or uh, uh, Captivate.fm, these other like platforms you can find cool people at roles. So let's say you're really into marketing. You could hire like the CMO of Tesla or something that'll do calls for $1,000 an hour just as some side income and ask them questions about what they do and what they think you could do. And if you get one idea from that, that nets you more than $1,000, you've, you know, more than 10X, 100X, 10,000X your your revenue, right? Or your income. Um, expense. So I think I might start doing these advisory calls. I don't, haven't done that in a while. And I think it might be a really good use of time. And uh, here's a little sketch. Uh, so it's, I hope you have a happy Friday and I have a little waving guy that says Friday, nothing mind blowing, but I have a question for you. If I added a section to this swipes email where I either place a sponsor or promote a product I personally use. So this would be a piece of software I use uh, something like the, for video editing or something, uh, maybe a book recommendation or household products. Uh, would you mind if I did that? Would that be a big deal or would that be an addition? And have you seen any other newsletters do something like this in a way that you really like? I would probably call the section something like, with an S. It would be called like sponsored or splurge or spend. And the thing is, sometimes we get sponsors for this newsletter, but not every single time. And a lot of times I'll turn down sponsors that don't have good products. So I've been offered things and it's like some weird affiliate stuff. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to push that. So instead, I would rather send a, like a book recommendation and maybe put my own little Amazon affiliate link or something to make some small income from it. And so I was thinking sponsored section, splurge section, spend section. I kind of like splurge. Um, uh, someone who works at copywriting course, Leslie came up with that. I thought it was a good one. So uh, reply to this email and let me know if you'd care or not if I add a little splurge section here with like, you know, my own like product tips. And I would try to keep it to the best of my ability to things like I would actually recommend. Maybe if it's a sponsor, I'll, men I'll of course mention that. But I don't want to send out bad products. I feel like that degrades the trust that you have in me to open these emails all the time. And I, I would never want to compromise that. So uh, let me know if you care or not. Otherwise, have a great Friday. My name is Nel Mandora. I will talk to you later.